Welcome to Aural Fixation. My name is Shayna, and I'm joining Andy and Drew this week to discuss the greatest album of all time, Beyonce's Four. Parkwood Entertainment released this album in 2011, and any audio samples featured in this episode are entirely for the purposes of review, critique, slayage, paying homage, honoring a legend. You know, you get the picture. Let's get started. I have no idea what's going on. So for us, this is about lunchtime. Yeah. It's lunchtime in your future, Shayna. Where are you? You're in the past. I am in Oakland, California. <laughs> I am very much in the past. It's only 6 p.m. on Tuesday. Y'all are already on Wednesday living your best lives. Yeah, we've been there. We yeah. know how you feel. We it's were a hot, there. It's a hot day. Yeah. I can I, I can guarantee that. You're gonna. You're in for a nice day. Mm. Um um, COVID has been eliminated. <laughs> oh, wait, sorry. Oh, man. Oh, That's how I know that we're living brutal. in a dream. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or it's like, tell me tell me the things that I want to hear. Yeah, okay. That was is that, that was COVID is eliminated. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, we're, we've all got our fingers and toes crossed for you over there. Um, but Shayna, so thank you so much for joining us today on Oral Fixation. I think straight up, it would be great for you to kind of give the listeners a bit of a sense of of who you are um, for those who don't know. Um, we obviously know you from the Bad Queers podcast, um, but it'd be great yes. to just hear a little bit about you um, so that we can begin. We can begin. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So I am one of the co-hosts of Bad Queers podcast, which is the official podcast of the Her app. And so Her is the largest LGBTQ plus dating and social app for queer women, trans and non-binary folks. And we launched this podcast almost a year ago just to come in and kind of break the stereotypes of the LGBTQ plus community because it feels like you come out of the closet and then get put in a box of new stereotypes that you did not ask for. So we talk about breaking them and that is one of my favorite things to do I work in the community and diversity and inclusion space um, and I'm a huge Beyonce stan which is why we're here today I am literally in the beehive I don't know if you're ready for the amount of knowledge that I'm going to drop oh, today I don't, I don't know if we are ready if I'm going to be completely honest because we are on cycle 6 of oral fixation and it was actually just um, Shana we end each of our cycles with a bit of a Q&A a bit of a chit chat episode mm-hmm. and in our last Q&A we actually discussed why we haven't discussed Beyonce yet and we couldn't really articulate why all we really knew was that both of us, Drew and I, are deeply intimidated by such a monolith of pop culture. And mm-hmm. it was almost a relief to me when you sent through the album that we're discussing today because I would not have picked this album, but you know what the albums that I would have picked? They would have stressed me out even more. So you picked a Which real... Which album would you have picked? Okay, I've, I feel like even mentioning the name this early is giving me the shivers, but I think her artistic <laughs> masterpiece, without a doubt, is Lemonade. Um, Naturally, yeah. The album which meant the most to me as a fan is actually the self-titled, all caps, Beyonce album. Mm, um, mm -hmm. Which, of course, the album that we're discussing today for leads quite neatly into that kind of career evolution. See, that's so interesting because I actually would have gone much earlier. Right. Like, I, the uh, Dangerously in Love, her debut was kind of, it came out at the precipice of me coming out. And so there are so many kind of, I guess, selfish connections from a queer perspective yes. with that album. But I think my favorite 
Beyonce album might be B-Day. Well, this isn't getting us anywhere, guys. We've anyway. just named about seven different albums. <laughs> Shana, why did <laughs> we you We basically pick? just named all of her albums. <laughs> Shout out to I Am Sasha Fierce. Yes, thank you, um, Sasha Fierce. Yes. <laughs> Arguably her dragging condition. Yes. So, yes. Totally. All right, yeah. <laughs> but Shana, why did you pick four? Yes. Because that is her best album. Ooh. Like, fight me. That is her <laughs> absolute hands down, especially vocally. Yes. None of her okay. other albums can touch this album vocally, period. This okay. was when she came out. See, this is when I'm about to go. Oh, go, <laughs> go. This we are is, so ready. This is the culmination of when she broke up with her dad. Uh-huh. Yes, yes. This is when she did most of her performances pregnant with Blue up until the point that she revealed it at the MTV Music Awards. Iconic. Where she showed everybody that she was. But she did at least like three shows mm. before, three or four shows before telling people that she was actually pregnant. Like mm. doing all her choreography and shit. Like she was doing all of that. I she think we can all agree that. 60 songs for this album. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And then had to narrow it down like Queen. Yeah. I did actually, I was gagged when I saw that. But sorry to interrupt, but I just... I think we can all agree that Blue Ivy only benefited from being part of those performances as a future gay icon herself. She felt that shit in the womb. Yeah. 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 She, she grew well, from honestly, that. Honestly, that, that was when her managing career started. <laughs> <laughs> was, was then. Like, she was running that. That's what was happening. Um, it's so interesting um, that you mention uh, the, the... Let's get into the Love on Top performance. Because that, Absolutely. for me, is... I rewatched the clip last night. It's just, I overused the term iconic, Shayna, but come on. And the beginning, when she says to the audience, I want you to feel the love that's growing inside of me. And bitch, you don't even know (laughs) what's about to come. And that was the thing. But the beehive knew. Like, when she did that performance, (laughs) that's what I was wondering. Knew. Did you know? I absolutely knew. How did you know, Shayna? Tell us how. Because the Beehive knows everything. The Beehive knows. There were rumors, like if you knew the places to listen to, there were rumors ahead of time. But most people were like, no, no, that's not a thing. She's not showing. Then all those crazy ass rumors started where it was like, she's getting a surrogate and she's doing all this stuff. We were like, no, that is not a thing. And so when she came out and I saw that she was in it like a full clothed outfit, first of all, (sighs) then she said, I want you to feel this love growing inside of me. I flipped the actual fuck out yeah because i knew and then at the end i was like is she gonna announce it is she gonna say something official is this gonna happen when she gets an award and she did that mic drop and belly rub and i was like there it is <gasps> the belly there rub it in itself is. was an artistic moment of triumph gaga in boy drag in the audience just found like shit. literally sure. that is the, the culmination <laughs> of how that happened and going back and remembering that gaga was there in her drag king outfit and I was like I stand this is 2011 was a confusing year for us all wasn't it Beyonce went Mm. pregnant Gaga went drag king there was a lot going on a lot and I've actually been casting my mind back 2011 to me is such a weird year in my consciousness especially in terms of pop music because it felt like so much was happening then but the world was changing we were moving Mm -hmm. from this period where Um, artists were still putting out these massive landmark albums but we uh, the the record industry was you know becoming increasingly crippled by piracy like we weren't paying for music sorry I I can't speak for you guys but we weren't paying and four (laughs) for me um, is one of the albums which I vividly remember um, downloading Mm -hmm. because it leaked it leaked 
And I remember actually, maybe this is TMI, but I was in the bathroom when I discovered this. So my first listen to four was in the bathroom. And that that's besides the point. But now to see how far we've come in terms of what happened in just the 10 years since with um, streaming and how uh, Beyonce and her little known husband... Um, mm. kind of turned away from Spotify initially and then started their own platform and then they've come back around and all of this. Like, I just feel like 2011 wasn't that long ago, but it feels so different in time. Because um, it was. It, it was a was. whole different era. It was a whole different era of things. And that was one thing that Beyonce even mentioned in her uh, Life is But a Dream documentary mm. where she was talking about how people don't, listen to albums they listen to songs and are more interested in the artist's home life than they are the artist's talent right and that was her goal with four and that that was and this album was the culmination of when she was like you know what i'm done pandering to all of the fame and the stereotypes and working to get to the top of a chart and things like that and it reminded me too like going into like just watched the Britney Spears documentary. Yes. And remembering that Britney and Beyonce were around like the same time. They're like yep. the same age. They grew up and together. To yeah. See, yeah. 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 Like to see all of the craziness that actually happened around that time and the things that Beyonce and Britney and Christina and all of these powerhouse women had to work through, all of this BS that they had to move through, that I am not surprised that more of them didn't just say, fuck the charts, I'm going to go and do my own thing. And then Beyonce went and did that and then continued to do that. Yes. And that's the difference between her and like everyone else. Correct. She actually went and did it. That's so so interesting because even though For and Beyonce, the self-titled album that came after it, are so sonically different, it really feels, now that you say this, it really feels like in her breaking away from what's expected of her and what everyone thinks is kind of quote-unquote cool with four it kind of set the agenda for the rest of her career yeah. and now she mm-hmm. she completely drives trends rather than mm-hmm. ever following them and I think that's something that was really sort of overt and clear with Beyonce and definitely with Lemonade um but it seems to me like the the groundwork was being done with four. Mm. Yeah, that's how I feel. Yeah, I feel like it was the groundwork that led to the the albums to follow, and still where she has it, where she is at today with the the Lion King companion album. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I kind of even I, I'm ashamed to say this as I consider myself a really decent Beyonce fan, but I kind of let that album and the whole Lion King era. I think it's called The Gift. The album is. The docu- the, yes. the film is Black is King, but the, the album is called The Gift. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've only really, in the last three months, just delved into that. And I'm like, she's still doing it. She's still doing exactly what she wants to do with such talent and ownership. Um, but going back to maybe what Drew's favourite albums of Beyonce were, that wasn't always the case in her career. And I think four is the turning point, yeah. as we've all just... So I'm so basically what we're saying here is I'm basic mm. and <laughs> <laughs> yeah and you're like the sort of the height of the critical I'm like higher uh, high brow you're high Shana's in the middle yeah yeah Shana can skew yeah Shana can go either yeah. way um, like. thank you Shana I like I- a little fluidity <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no binaries on this podcast absolutely not um, I before we go into the album track by track I would just love to know. Um, 
I, I've been kind of, as I said earlier, I've been fanboying your entire kind of presence and career a bit. And I would love to know, maybe more from a personal perspective, what does Beyonce mean to you as a queer person, a queer fan? Why, why is she your number one? Mm. Honestly... And it's really funny because most of my friends are always like, you just love her because you'd want to date her. Right. And I'm like, no, (laughs) do not say something crazy like that to me because I would not disrespect Beyonce in that way because I know I am nowhere near her level. (laughs) Wow. Nowhere near. I just understand the fact that it's like, no, even if I wanted to, I would understand that it's like, you know what? She's out of my reach. I'd be reaching. She would be settling with me. And I respect that. And, but the power that she always showed as a black woman in her performances and to pay attention. Like I previously was a music therapist before I went to tech and I'd always had music around. I, I played drums and learned guitar and a bunch of other instruments. And it was prominent to pay attention to her as an artist. Like obviously she came out, like I followed Beyonce is the longest relationship in my life. I've loved her since I was nine when I watched Destiny's Child. And that was a powerhouse group of women that looked like me to be able to watch and see them just kill it. And then all of her live performances, paying attention to the fact that, you know, she was never breathing hard. All of her dances were on point. She was never sloppy. She was that time's Michelle Obama until she got to being Beyonce. And... It always was something that I was just drawn to, was just how confident she was, how empowering she was, how much she always just stood for women unapologetically. Yes, she was sexy, but also just like owning herself, not in a way that, you know, it would pander to the audience or do anything else. Like she was always in it. And as a queer person, and it was the same, I forget which one of you said it, but Four did come out around the time that I started to recognize that I was probably queer. And I was like, man, I'm in these thoughts. I'm in these feelings. I don't know. I still didn't come out until like two years after this album came out. But Beyonce was there. She, she was the, she was here. She was there. She was she was here, and that's she lived, the album. She, she was here, and it was just done. Shout out to the UN. <laughs> that's it. What? I know a connection there. The video, that's... the video is shot in like the UN, and it's all these. Yeah, like... it is. It is, and it's oh so great. And I have I have a part of that song tattooed on me as well. Oh. So it's just like, oh my gosh. all of all of that put together. Like Beyonce has just been around for every important part of my life but also just being the queen that she is in her creativity in her artistry in her talent it's just like you can't argue it you see greatness and you're just like well nothing can be better it's indisputable Shayna I'm reminded Mm -hmm. of a term I've been listening to bad quiz all week and I'm reminded of a term that you used um, on one of your more recent episodes which was now I, I, I don't know if I I certainly when I use this term I'm not using it in the the slur way that some would use the beginning of the word. But (laughs) I believe you used the term daikon. Oh, (laughs) absolutely. To describe Beyonce and many others, um, Mm. such as Regina King, Mm. uh, Gabrielle Mm -hmm. Union, I think, was thrown in Mm -hmm. there. Mm. Um, Yes, she's my daikon, that's for sure. 
I, I just, daikon is a daikonic word. <laughs> it is. Yeah, for those who are listening who don't know what daikon is, it literally means they would have been, a, like, they are basically the straight icons that queer women love. Got it. And so Beyonce is absolutely a daikon. Got it. And it's also a large Korean radish, which is sometimes found in kimchi. Yes. But that's for a different podcast. <laughs> Shout out to our fermenting gays. Yes. 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 Not the fermenting gay. <laughs> I, I am a card-carrying fermenting gay coming soon. Spin-off or a fixation. Anyway. Or so a yeah, fermentation. It's kimchi and it's it's straight. Let me get that right. It's uh, straight female icons who are particularly appealing to gay women. Yes. Love it. Right. Okay. Let's get into it. Okay. Shayna, what are your hard hitters? I know it's like choosing your children here, but... In the album. Well, first of all, weirdly, I don't know if you noticed this, Andy, but um, there are actually two versions of uh, four on Spotify, at least. Mm. And one has the original track listing, and then the second is, like, mixed up, but that's the one with School in Life and Dance for You on it. Anyway, we're we're talking... That's the bonus. That's the bonus album. We're talking expanded. We're talking deluxe here. So we're talking about the album which starts with Love on Top. Sure. Even though I actually think the track listing in the original makes more sense thematically, but look, it does. Um, It does, absolutely. And then Spotify did all the mixing up in those things, but uh, here we are. I'm glad we can all recognize that. that We're here to recognize Mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. Um, What are the kind of hard hitters for you, Shayna, as we look at the track listing, whatever order it's in? Yeah, my ultimate bop on four is End of Time. Yes! Uh, shout out to the Jimec remix of End of Time. Do you know it? I don't know her, but That's send such a good immediately. Remix. I don't know it. It is by this Polish guy yeah. who's like done this remix in his bedroom. He like applied, I guess there was like a competition online. And there's a video on YouTube of Beyonce calling him up to tell him he's won. <gasps> and he's just like... Right. It's so sweet. And she's like, no, it was just such a great remix. That's actually a very Janet move to... Let's talk about Janet and Beyonce later. But that's actually a very Janet thing to ask fans to make remixes and then tell them that they've got the winning remix anyway. Anyway, end of time, Shayna. Go. Yep. End of (laughs) time. Is it the percussiveness? I know the choreography to it when she does it in performances. It's the left arm motion that goes out that gives me life. And... I can, like, as a drummer as well, like, I I just live for End of Time. Um, I Care is one of her yes. best songs to perform vocally live. It's insane. And she always sits down to perform it, which blows my mind. Because if you know anything about vocals, sitting down and singing is not an easy thing to do. And she sits and belts that song in. And Countdown became ten times better when she transitions hold up from lemonade into countdown and she does that during her live performances she used to transition a different song into countdown and then she made her own song to then transition into her own song and then performs it live and i'm just like bitch the disrespect but also i stand i've actually got in a list in my notes here things in general that i love about beyonce and one of them is hold up going into countdown in live performances so thank you big tick there yeah. It's insane. I have so many videos that I've had to have friends record of me watching it because I can no longer <laughs> record it myself because I am freaking out when it happens and I never catch good video. Speaking so that's why my friends come with me to concert. <laughs> Speaking of um, the various ways in which Beyonce defies the rules of science, um, <laughs> I uh, I was wondering, Shayna, I mean, as a member of the Beehive, Beehive I'm sure you are aware of the one plus one performance on The View mm. where she's just 
kneeling on a piano, sitting down, mm-hmm. like kind of, I mean, well, she's kneeling, sitting down. Um, I don't get how she sings it that well when she's just like kneeling and her diaphragm isn't correct. It's just, it's fucked. It is. It's fucked. That's where the disrespect comes in. Cause it's like, how <laughs> dare you have the audacity, the gall to do that? The gumption. The gumption. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that my, so I, in, in researching for this brief, I decided that I can't just pick one favorite Beyonce song of all time. And Naturally. I decided that I have one I Am song and one Sasha Fierce song, right? Because right, you know, but I we're am, still on four though, aren't we? No, I know. Yeah. But sorry, I Am Sasha Fierce as a concept. So the album You're I not am, Sasha Fierce. No, I know, but let yeah. me explain. Yeah. I Am Sasha Fierce is, is an album split into two parts, right? <laughs> yeah, I Am is the kind of <laughs> introspective, chilled, more like, yeah. um, I guess, ballad It's the Beyonce yeah. side. Yeah. yeah. And then yeah. Sasha Fierce is the drag, high drama, mama, yeah. Yeah. Sasha Fierce side. Yeah. So my favorite I Am song, even though it's not on I Am, <laughs> but it encapsulates oh the I Am, gosh. is All Night. But my favorite Sasha Fierce song is Run the World. When I saw... Sasha Fierce? Uh, Andy, you're not getting what I'm saying. I'm, I'm getting what I'm you're saying, but All it. Night's not on this album. No, no, no. I'm <laughs> but I get it. I see what you're doing. So you're doing that for the vibe for all of the albums. For not all just albums. Oh, you've divided her into two. Oh. He's divided it into the two. Like, I caught onto that part. I just didn't know if you were just doing it for four. No. Got it. So, got it. No, no, no. Right. Of all we time. We made it. We got of there. Of all time. If you, yes. if you split Beyonce songs in the middle, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. half for I Am and half for Sasha Fierce, right? Yeah. This, this worked so the in I my... Am is all night. Okay, so your favorite like, draggy Fierce song is Run the World and your favorite Soppy Ballad is All Night. Oh, how Sloppy Ballad, how dare you? Okay, I said Soppy, <laughs> not Sloppy. <laughs> that metaphor worked so well in my mind. Anyway, yeah. um, Run the World. We got o- there. Open got parenthesis, there. girls, close parenthesis. Yeah. When I first heard because I knew the major major yes. laser track before was the major laser track maybe about two or three years yeah, old at that it point. had been around for a minute and it was major that a pop star as big as Beyonce would sample a DJ act who weren't actually that massive then not at the time no, no not at the time um, and I remember seeing the video and it's this like post-apocalyptic um, <laughs> you know tight lions mm. It's just there's, the, uh, there's like the security chains guards, yeah. and uh, yes. And I was just like, this is the pinnacle to me. Oh, really? It's it's just I, Shana, one of Andy, Andy and I rarely argue. One of our biggest arguments of all time um, was that he doesn't think that single ladies had that much of a cultural impact. I don't know. I d- I'm not giving permission to get into this right now. <laughs> You're like, no, we've got a lot to get through and that is a huge, huge what? thing. You've derailed this entire <laughs> process, Drew. Needs Shana, to be delete. Discussed. Engineer, producer, delete. Delete. Stop recording. What? And up yeah. until the time when I uh, saw the video for Run the World, I, um, Single Ladies was that for me. And then I saw mm. this and I was like, uh-huh. And then I saw the Billboard performance, which is just mm, mm. another level of, mm. like, the amount of, like, rehearsing mm. and, like, Operation, the, 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 the like, detail. finite detail yeah, of the yeah. way she she has to, like, move her body and the choreo and then the way that it just builds and builds and builds. That's Yeah, me and she didn't like, even get to do a run-through on the stage. 
before she performed that. Are you for what? real? Yeah, no. She they they ran out of time, so she didn't have time to go on stage and like do it before. So they had like obviously the stage laid out in in rehearsal and things, but no, she didn't get to go on stage and do that before. So she just like went out and it was the first time and she just hoped for the best. Okay, that puts things into perspective because I ran to the studio today sweating, thinking I didn't have enough time to prepare for what we're doing right now. Yeah, if she can get on stage and do that without preparation, that gives me more confidence that I can just navigate through life. You're Beyonce. You're I'm, Beyonce. Yeah, the 2011 you Billboard Awards. That's still. the conclusion we yeah, found. There you go. Yes. Also, side note on that though, the the phrase when people are like, you know... If Beyonce can achieve what she can in 24 hours a day, you can do this. Well, I, look, I get it. That is Well, you have the same amount of emotive. hours in a day as Beyonce. Well, that's it. Exactly. But do yeah. I have... Okay, maybe I could aspire to have her incredible work ethic and talent and um, determination. But do I also have a team of 25 behind me? No. So a bit of perspective, please, here, people. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I just Anything else so you want to get up Regardless, <laughs> the reality is, like, the things that Beyonce gets done in a day, mm. we could only hope to get done in, like, three to five business days, well, honestly. there you go. Yeah. Realistically. Yes. Um, so, okay, but run the world, girls. Like, love it. Um, I think my number one was actually end of time as well, hence the Yelp mm. earlier. But when this album came out, I was really interested that off the back of I Am Sasha Fears, we had an album which was so heavy on classic, old school ballads. And another thing about 2011 is that kind of, not more traditional, but older style R&B in the style of like R&B from like the 60s to 70s wasn't that popular around this time and I think she's on record as saying she that's the music that she wanted to make and she felt limited like you were saying earlier Shana by the trends and the charts so she had mm-hmm. to figure out a way to take the music that she wanted to perform make it temp- contemporary make it her style and I, maybe we got a, a, a few too many ballads for my exact preference but the ballads are all high quality and they're classic and they are like she actually says also they're songs that she can be performing for the next 40 years they're timeless um yeah like this album is has the songs of her best live performed songs right was that was that kind of she's taking it there was that kind of the point like um love on top has four key changes like that is it five yeah She gets up there. She gets up there. It's out of control. It's five. It's actually five, guys. It's five. Yeah. But that seems to me like I'm gonna show show you just how well I can sing. Mm. You know? Was she? Was it? Was it that she wanted to remind people just how incredible a vocalist she was? With four. I don't even think it was that. It was more so that she wanted to get back to the musicality like again in Life is Brother Dream this mainly is fresh because I rewatched it last night it was so is that from this era um, sorry this, that documentary is it from the four era yeah that right. this was that was the documentary that she put into so that we had that background and that's the documentary that she introduced Blue got it yep. so that was like our first visual and then we were waiting for that and then four mm-hmm. happened and mm-hmm. incredibleness um and all, well, four happened before that, but this was the culmination to explain everything that was happening yep. because so much had happened to her. But she basically stated that she was like, I'm making an album that has key changes, that actually has a bridge that she can just like growl and 
get into it and feel all of these emotions that people just like don't express anymore because they are just here to put out a hit song mm-hmm. and not a formidable album that we're going to listen to for generations. Yeah. And that was her goal. Yeah. Um, and I think maybe partly that is a response to music. I'm not saying like what Lady Gaga was doing, but a lot of people who were copying Lady Gaga, basically anyone who wasn't Gaga who went out and got a Red One production, mm-hmm. um, it did seem to get a little bit um, artificial and samey. And this album seems... And, and I think maybe Sasha Fierce skewed that way sometimes. I, I actually loved Sasha Fierce's album. Oh. But it was definitely parts of it were influenced by what was going on in the charts. And I think four is definitely the, um, not the response. It's like the opposite to what was going on. Yeah. It's, it's like, fuck all the trends. I'm going to go the complete other way. Yes. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Got it. And people got so worried about this album because it wasn't one of her best performing albums in terms of, like, numbers and logistics and things like that. And people were like, oh, my God, since she left her dad and now she has a kid and all of this other stuff. And there was just a lot of speculation around Beyonce as a person and thinking that she was potentially having a breakdown and doing all this stuff. And I was like, y'all slept on this album because it is the best album. This is also the era um, when it was at this time when she headlined Glastonbury. Mm-hmm. And I that show that show <laughs> I cannot remember I cannot. being in a place and wanting to be in another place. Oh my gosh! More completely. Yes, it was just that for me was I already loved Beyonce and like thought she was great, but headlining Glastonbury where there had been a lot of pushback or kind of, I guess, raised eyebrows to the fact that she was headlining it because at that point, I think Jay-Z had... Jay-Z was the first non-rock artist to headline. So he kind of um, broke that barrier. But for Beyonce as an act that's so far removed from the kind of, I guess, origins of Glastonbury... A female black pop star is kind of all, at that point, anti-Glasto. T. Yeah. Um, And for her to just... Like, nail it. And am I right in saying that I'm pretty sure every single person on stage for that performance and maybe other performances around this time were all all female? Yes. Well, from... Yeah, she had a small group of men that came out. So she had the twins. Yes. Who always always performed with her around that time. And then she'd have, like, a small group of guys Mm. come out. But that was the era when she had her all-female band. Yeah. Mm. It was like sealing her stardom. It was it was so self-assured and confident, but not trying to prove anything to anyone. She just was this absolute superstar. And Jane, I don't know if you know this, but uh, in the UK when it was broadcast, because often Glastonbury, because it is so huge in the UK, um, it, a lot of it is broadcast live on the BBC. And um, they'll have um, BBC kind of presenters giving commentary at the start and the finish of the major performances. And... Um, there were two well-known BBC radio DJs who were commentating before Beyonce. One was a, a, a woman called Joe Wiley, and one was a man who's actually he's actually Kiwi from New Zealand, Zane Lowe. And Zane Lowe would be really like he'd do all of like the rock and the indie acts, and Joe Wiley just loved everyone. And Joe Wiley was freaking out with excitement about Beyonce. And Zane was so like snobby and over it. And I think he made a comment, potential at the end, where he was like, well, 
uh, I, I don't know how her act was because I was over on the other stage watching real music. I was watching The Kings of Leon. And Joe Wiley just rolls her eyes. And even at that time, nearly 10 years ago, that jarred with me so hard to see this, like, lazy, scruffy, white man, loser, straight man, sit there and roll your... Dare to roll your eyes at this pop goddess before you um, proving all of the preconceptions you had about this rock festival wrong to this enormous audience of adoring fans. How dare you sit there on national TV and roll your eyes at her? And now that's the fury I felt then. And 10 years later, I don't even... If he said that now, the internet would eat him alive and quite rightly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Full cancellation. Yeah. That would, <laughs> that would be it. Yeah. So, funny story. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> I was actually in England <gasps> when the Live at Glastonbury played, and I didn't realize, like, that the day that it happened that yeah. we had actually caught it and that we were going to be back in time. And my friend turned on the TV at her place, and she was, like, flipping through the channels, and I was like, wait. Stop. We are here for the day. We made it. We have made it. And I almost, it was so funny because I almost like missed dinner with her family and was just like getting up from the table back and forth, missing things and doing whatever. I was like, I, this is the rudest I've ever been, but also y'all understand. And that was crazy. And I remember that commentary because Uh then I just stopped and said, oh no, this Not hate this. is worldwide. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah. Cool, cool. Love to see it. But she killed it and you can't kill her vibe or you my can't. vibe right now. No, no. no. It was um, great. But yeah, seeing that live on TV, amazing. Amazing. And uh, an amazing precursor to eight years later, Coachella, which <gasps> we'll, we'll get to. We'll get, <laughs> we'll to. get that. Um, but Shane, I think we that. cut you off a few times in terms of no? other major songs that you love from this album. Or have you called mm. them all? Um... No, oh my gosh, I'm like, I mean, all of them. But if I had to list anything else, so uh, Party yep. is just so good. That was actually on my like Spotify, like top list, whatever, because all of my playlists were like chill R&B type vibes. Mm-hmm. And so Party came on all the time and I'd listen to it eight times in a row before moving on. Um, but if we also had to do the bonus album, like extra ones, also Dance For You is one of, it's like on par with Rocket on her self-titled album. Rocket is my favorite. After Pretty Hurts, Rocket's my favorite from the self-titled album. Yeah, those two, somebody, so many people got pregnant off that song. It's just like, she did a service. She did a service. (laughs) You know? I was like, we all of a sudden magically concepted something and it was just like, how did this happen? The modern day Sade. Yeah. Yes. And I would only finish off with School in Life because School in Life is a bop. Yeah, and, and that's and a bonus track, right? And that I, came out yep. after. Yeah. I love that that's she shouts out um, the 50-somethings. You know, she doesn't mm-hmm. stop at the, the 40s, the 30s. She goes all the way up to 50. Well, you know, and this is zero shade, but she's not far from that. Well, she's 40 yeah. this year. So within a decade, the same time that's passed since this album, she'll be smashing it into her 50s too. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and no doubt that she'll still going. that she'll still be going. Drew... Any other major ones for you in the this album? The only other one I wanted to shout out, because I don't think we've discussed it yet, is Best Thing I Never Had. Um, mm, I know that, that is. it's, uh, I think it was the second single after Run the World. Um, and it feels to me like um, kind of a uh, the older sister of Irreplaceable mm. in many ways. Yep, it's I see very that. kind yes. of like similar, but it kind of coming to a point of, 
self-closure and self-actualization post kind of being being in the red hot heat of the breakup mm-hmm. and um i i kind of i love seeing that thread through any artist's career but i think beyonce does it really well i also think that one plus one and exo have similar kind of like threads mm-hmm. to them as well and um mm, that's a good comparison and yeah best thing i ever had for me is um is definitely up there with one of my favorite beyonce i am moments got it okay i'm picking up what you're putting down now <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah um i care is really special to me okay go on uh, i care about it right I, it was the first one that i loved straight off the bat in terms of those kind of classic ballads that we were talking about earlier um but it was only actually in doing research for the frank ocean episode we did of aura fixation where Ooh. i discovered that he has a co-write on i care yeah um and it was from seeing him performing it live i think he did a medley of it with a Shade song which had me freaking out anyway but then in the comments it was like oh he actually wrote this song 2011 frank ocean was not can someone correct me if i'm wrong but he wasn't a massive name. He, I think he was doing co-writes for other artists, but he hadn't exploded as a solo artist himself. I feel like Channel Orange came out in 2012. Can you confirm or deny, Shayna? Fact checkers. I'm over here. I am over here so Googling so fast. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think that Frank Ocean was in... He was in the ether, but he wasn't... I don't think his star had... Ascended. Yeah, Channel Orange was 2012. Right. Got it. So Beyonce knew him, and they would continue to work together because he features on the Beyonce album afterward, after four. But uh, yeah, anyway, I love I Care. She um, she knows talent, she knows and she's talent. continued to support Frank Ocean when, like, when he came out um, as bisexual. She kind of shouted him out, right? Like. She I shouts feel, out all the gays. I, I feel like live. she shouts... I mean, well, we'll get... Let's get on to that. Let's get on to that. <laughs> Take his ass to Red Lobster. Yes. What makes Beyonce <laughs> queer? <laughs> Shayna, why um, don't you kick us off? Well, yeah. What makes Beyonce queer? What What is it about her that appeals to many, many queer people? I think on a very, um, like, lowest common denominator level... She's a drag queen. Like, there have been times when I look at her performing and I'm like, that tuck is so tight. And then I realize that she ain't tucking. She is. (laughs) She is drag. Like, (laughs) I think that is like the lowest, as I say, level, the most basic level. But. The the way the things that she's done and the like the the way she's spoken about her experiences like with her uncle and um, how she's sort of continued to be an amazing um, example of an ally that doesn't use allyship as some sort of um, marketing tool. Yes. Mm. Hello, yeah, I was Taylor. Say trend. Hello, mm. Taylor Swift. Mm. We see you. I mean, I was like, um, Todrick is going to come for y'all. Oh. <laughs> Rescinded. Rescinded. We just received. We love you, Todrick. We love you. We just got a cease and desist. Yeah, cut that. Yeah. Um, you need to calm down. <laughs> um, Shana, what do you reckon? Honestly, besides just all of her performances and just how great because honestly the choreography is queer and it just 
it just makes it. And I've never seen more gay men be able to do her choreography after her, which is out of control, and I love mm-hmm. it. Or think but they can also, do it. Think they can do <laughs> it. Yeah, I mean, up, yeah. I didn't want to talk about those people, but, you know. They're they're fair. They, they try. Yeah. They, they do. But there's a whole like I remember even actually no, I'm not even gonna spoil that before we talk about it. <laughs> but honestly, she's one of those where it's like you have your like elder queers that put the younger queers at the table. And that's what I feel like Beyonce is to the LGBTQ plus community. Like she will go and speak out and feature these voices and stories and does it like does it in a way that society should be doing it right now. Where it's like she just has them in the videos. She has their voices. She has their choreography. She brings them up on stage and doesn't question any of it. And just shows like this is how it should be. You should just have these people in here doing the work and showing it. And so I feel like that's where that's where Beyonce hits home for me. She's she's like the elder, the elder queer, the Marsha P that brought us in yeah. to what the future should be. And that's how I feel like she looks out for us. She just I, goes and speaks up, says a little something, and then the world's like, oh my God, we love the gays. Because Beyonce I, loves the gays. And so I thank agree. You. Yeah. And um the impact that she has, none of us can argue with, you know, like you just said, if she says something, it just has this huge ripple effect. Um, I, I feel the need to raise something and I, I, I don't want people to take this as an as an unfair criticism because I think the work that Beyonce's done in the last five plus years in this space is fantastic for all the reasons that you two have mentioned. And she truly is um, an, an ally and she deserved the GLAAD award. Yet there was a time in Beyonce's career, maybe when I was really falling in love with her as an artist, where I felt that she didn't necessarily um, speak to her queer fans in the same way that she does now. And um, I'm not, this is certainly not unique to Beyonce. Um, Many artists have trod similar paths and we're all on a journey of evolution and growth and society has changed so much in the last five to 10 years. But, I feel like um, Beyonce's allyship has certainly ramped up in the last few years. Um, Going from four, before that, um, I just feel like in in pieces of work like Lemonade, it's exactly what you just said, Shayna. She features queer artists without making it this huge thing with, you know, just thinking of like Big Frida in formation, groundbreaking, legendary. Mm -hmm. So many people just learned who Big Frida is because it was in a Beyonce song. That is major. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I certainly felt like there was a time of her career, maybe around the time of four and and before, I need to stop saying that, that um, I don't feel like she really acknowledged her LGBT fans but um, I don't know what you guys think about that that's not me going in on her I think that a lot of artists were similar at that time but um, yeah that's just a thought I have. yeah I mean I can yeah I like I fully recognize that where but I also think that was a whole generation of artists that just mm. didn't speak up as they do now mm. and I think especially in the last few years more Photos because obviously I follow all of these Beyonce Stan accounts on Instagram <laughs> and things, and they have literally just like recirculated photos of her at uh, drag shows, mm-hmm. her at queer bars, and just being in 
the space and supporting other fans or fans speaking out and saying that she recognized them in this way. And I can only imagine also like the hold that was on her before she was able to get out from her father's management Mm -hmm. and the limitations that they potentially put her under as Mm -hmm. well, because I never felt like, she was ever against it, which was amazing no. for me. Oh, also. Agree. No, agree. And I think, yes, there was definitely that increase, but I think that increase also came with her having more freedom and more control and management over what she was doing. Like now, her being like the business leader and entrepreneur that she is, obviously she's going out and speaking and saying things and being like, yep, absolutely. And now that she also, I think, with her having kids and she wants to make sure that her kids are growing up in this area, yep. making sure that she is showing that outwardly but i think she's one of those people that also does a lot of the work behind the scenes like if you think of her like be good initiatives yeah she's been doing that and then she just made her foundation to do that more often but it was like you still never hear about it unless you actually go and kind of dig and see that she has done it or go to her website like she doesn't even post much about it it's just like no i'm just going out and doing the work yes and so i feel like she's kind of like a quiet ally in that where she's just like about that action about cool. that action. Um, I don't know if you know this, Shani, because this was a big thing in the UK, and I don't know if this made it over to the uh, US. This is actually part of what I'm about to say. But um, in the B-Day era, uh, Beyonce had quite a few songs remixed by a UK um, production duo called the Freemasons. And it was very uh, late 2000s gay club dance but they remixed four Beyonce songs. I think they did three from B-Day and they also did Beautiful Liar with Shakira. Um, And they just made them these legendary UK gay club dance bops. And the word on the grapevine is they also went on to do stuff for Solange and Kelly Rowland. So clearly Beyonce was pleased with them. Um, The word on the grapevine was that um, the US label... um, put their foot down when Beyonce suggested actually going to make a full album with the Freemasons because it was doing so well in the UK and Europe because they thought that that style of music would um, be too gay, actually. It would be too gay for an American audience and she had to stick to Mm. her quotation marks urban roots. Um, Kelly Mm. Rowland has actually tried to do similar things in that she's had huge success in the UK and Europe with dance production and then she she's has. actually gone and made again amazing. quotation marks urban music for a US market and that could be a whole separate mm-hmm. thing but I just felt on what you were just saying there about control and influences I remember the disappointment I felt as a fan that Beyonce was potentially stopped by her label from doing something which both her and her fans wanted to hear mm-hmm. anyway yeah just one of those things. Are you are you aware of the Freemasons remixes of is it Ring the Alarm, Green Light, Be, uh, Deja Vu, Deja Vu, and, and Beautiful Liar? Yes, I have heard those remixes, but I did not know yeah. about the behind the scenes part where she doing that. I had no idea. Yeah. Well, one day maybe in the future we'll all be dancing to them in a club and taking our tops off. Uh. So see you on the floor. I'm ready. <laughs> I'll probably <laughs> be a fifty twice. Tops off. I'm in. <laughs> I am in. Um, in terms of the the Beyonce that we know now and the Beyonce that came before for, um, I'm interested to know, Andy and Shayna, can you remember, because Beyonce now is this deity, mm. but can you remember when you first, saw, what, what she was doing when you first were aware of who Beyonce was? Mine is so like niche 
and specific. Well, like my the first time I became aware of her would be like Destiny's Child. Right. But do you mean when she, when she turned into a goddess? No. Okay, so I'll I'll tell you mine. Andy, you might not even know this. Shayna, are you aware of the like late 90s sitcom Smart Guy starring Taj Murray, which is Tia and Tamara's yes. younger brother? <laughs> yes, absolutely. That was a staple in my household. Oh my God. <laughs> Obsessed. Destiny's Child guested on Smart right. Guy, which is this like which is this, like Disney <laughs> Channel TV episode. show, right? And so Taj Murray, what's his I can't remember the character's name in the um show. Junior, I think he's just called TJ. TJ, that's right, Junior. Yeah. Um, and uh, he's like super smart and he goes to um, high school with his brother who's like five or six years older than him. Anyway, Destiny's Child come to town and Marcus, the older brother, takes Beyonce to the prom. Right. And she would have been like 15. She at was this 16. Point, right? She right, was 16. Okay. And so it was like age appropriate. Yeah. And now if I see that Beyonce, I guess flexing her acting chops for maybe the first time on TV. Um, compared to what I know of her now, it's just so funny to me and bizarre. But we've watched um, her grow up. Yeah, we. But she, she has literally. This, she's always got. She had it then, and she has it now. She can be that like iconic drag di- diva. icon diva on stage. But there's also this like real, just gentle, calm nature mm. to her in the cadence of her voice and the way that she kind of like. Um, just I guess in her presence, and I remember kind of feeling that when I when I first saw her in Smart Guy, um, and yeah, it just is so funny to me that that was the first time I ever saw Beyonce, and then she went on to become this like huge, probably, arguably, the biggest female star of our generation, mm. and I'm a huge Gaga stan, but Beyonce takes mm. it. Shayna, what what was like your first imprint of Beyonce, like what you just said? Oh man, I I don't remember if it was on TRL, like mm. MTV's Total Request Live uh-huh. that they had. Did you all have t- TRL? We had we like did. a UK version. Yeah, but I remember the the US one would sometimes be played late at night, and I think it was the coolest thing to see it filmed in New York <laughs> in like yeah. Times Square, right? Yeah. 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 Yeah, so that was that was the after school thing to yeah. do was to yeah. come home and watch TRL. This was also when like VH1 was actually popular <laughs> or BET's 106 in Park and I cannot remember which it was, but it was on one of those countdown things and they were debuting the Bills 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 video. Mm-hmm. And just them in the hair salon <laughs> mm-hmm. doing their thing and I was just like, "Wait, I, I know that life. I know what it's like to go and sit in the hair salon and sit and have everybody talking shit and doing all this. And I was obsessed. And then Say My Name came out and yes. I was, you had me, yes. you had me done and done. Like I, I had heard their first album at the time, but game changer when I saw the video for Bills, Bills, Bills. Yes. I lo- I'm loving all of these cultural touch points because mine is like so close to the same era. It was actually seeing on MTV um, an episode of Making the Video you know where they get fans to recreate the video and I I, there was um, a group of girls who did the Say My Name video so I saw that episode before I actually even saw the Say My Name that was my introduction to this pop goddess that we know now. Such a We're seeing great her fans introduction. impersonate her, and I thought, wow, I miss making how the cool video, would that honestly. be? It would all be on YouTube, surely. It must be. Um, 
But then I also remember when the Survivor album came out, um, there was a girl uh, I went to school with who had the album, and for whatever reason, I didn't. And I would just go to her house after school and be like, can we put the album on, please? And she'd be like, we did this yesterday. And I'd be like, I, I, I need, sorry, but I need to hear it again. And her mum would come in and be like, you need to leave now. We're about to have dinner. And I'd be like, well, can I just stay in the bedroom and just listen? Kind of like you watching Glastonbury Shayna in the UK, just like ignoring the host <laughs> yeah. family. Exactly. To, um, to like, you don't need to entertain me, feed me anything. Just leave me here. No, but the mum in my case was actually like, no, you need to leave my premises now. Yeah, <laughs> Take the CD, just get out. Um... I am I'm loving how this is kind of just like freestyling, but does anyone have any things that they want to say specifically in the realm of Beyonce as a, a figure to queer people still? This is the thing. So we're kind of coming to the end now and there is so much to discuss so much. when it comes to Beyonce. But if, we, if we're treating this, Shana, as, as a yoga class and there's a certain stretch that we didn't do that you want us to do, if there's some certain tea from deep within the beehive that you can... Some honey... We, I mean, you've given us a taste of your honey and we want the whole beehive. <laughs> but is there anything you can share? Anything that you want to just get out? Any final thoughts? Honestly, we have to talk about Beachella like really fast. We do. Yes, okay. we do. Let's, let's do it. We let's can't it. leave without doing that because I was there. Oh! <laughs> the gay scream heard across the Pacific Ocean. <laughs> I... <laughs> was there for the pink weekend, which right. was the second weekend. Got it. And, and yellow was first. there is a very brief moment. No. Because I stayed, uh, yes, yes. There <laughs> yes. was a brief moment <laughs> in the homecoming video where you can see my face oh. in the crowd. Shona, can you please give us the exact time so we can advise our listeners to go onto Netflix and check out this episode's guest in the crowd? I will... I will do my best. I don't yeah. think, unless like, you know who I am, you probably wouldn't be able to see it. Okay. But I'm there because I waited. She had, you know, the main stage and then that second stage she walked out to. I waited there. She didn't go on until after 10 or 11. And I got there at one-ish yeah, right. to stand there all day. Wow. When and did you wait for that performance. The How videos the that I have of that are the... Cl- the next closest thing to mm. seeing her that up close because then I saw her at the On the Run tour too mm. and that was the closest I've ever seen her. Mm-hmm. And it was like literally nobody in front of me recording her. Amazing. And that's how, but we yeah, I bet you just spent the whole time about it. I bet you just spent the whole time crying. <laughs> like, when Destiny's Child came out, oh, tears oh, fell because... God. Shivers. Full body because shivers. that was the only... That was the only way I hadn't seen Beyonce perform. I had seen Beyonce, Michelle, and Kelly perform separately. Mm -hmm. Like, I saw Kelly perform at uh, Minneapolis Pride. I saw Michelle perform when she was in a musical. And... Mm -hmm went and saw each of them and I was like I've never seen them together and the one time that I could have seen them together when I was younger my mom didn't let me go because my brother had to work the concert for a fundraiser and I said then just get me a ticket and let me do it but of course I was like nine or ten and she was like no and I was like fine so she bought me a poster as a consolation it just reminds me every day of the fact that I did not get to see (laughs) Destiny's Child so when they when they came up and it was like I knew it was going to happen I saw I followed everything so there was no me avoiding spoilers and when they came out I I was very happy that I was there like by myself basically um, and had a whole moment 
whole moment yeah. in that little space surrounded by all of those people and they walked out and I just everything felt right in the world yeah for stuff like that it's actually usually best if you're just on your own yes and yes. you can mm-hmm. just fully mm-hmm. emote you don't have to worry about yeah. anyone around you my best you. friend was supposed to come to the festival with me and last minute she couldn't go so I ended up just hopping on another friend's campsite and then throughout the day I ran into another friend who happened to be there and thankfully was the person who walked out of the crowd to go and get us food and water and stuff I was prepared all day with my one water bottle and protein bars to just stand there and not go and I was going to stay hydrated enough Mm -hmm. to not have to pee no but not leave an important balance to find uh. that one only really has to worry about at mm-hmm. festivals when they're seeing their all-time icons. Um, the, the Coachella was so amazing for me because it felt like um, the natural sequel to Glastonbury, which was eight years earlier, but taking it literally home, homecoming to her home country, to this massive festival. But also, I learned so much from that about the traditions that she included from like historically black colleges and universities in the US with the mm-hmm. the marching bands and stuff because I watched that initially and just thought this is just a fucking great concert but a, but of course there was so much that she was putting in there paying homage to, to to parts of that that I had actually no previous experience with which adds this whole other layer like she rehearsed that shit for months wasn't it months. A, right. a, a year yeah because she started decision. it started with the music first the music started like a year before yeah. yeah and then they brought in everything else and rented out a whole space so that each group had their own stages from the styling to the musicians to the dancers and they had just it was almost like a like an airport hangar kind of mm. and just divided into three so that each of them could have their own space to do everything and to see her going and rehearsing all day recovering from birth of twins and then coming out and doing this, I li- I lived. The moment Only that she Beyonce. said that after, in an interview where she was like, I'm never doing that again. I was like, yeah, I right. respect it because yeah. girl. <laughs> Do you know the one thing that I really, um, <clears throat> that didn't sit well with me in, in the Coachella doc is the fact that, you know, when she um, she comes out in the outfit that she's been like dying to lose weight to yeah. like fit into. Yeah. And then she's like, to Jay-Z, like, I fit into it, I fit into it. And he's like, oh, okay. And it's just like... Men. Do you not realize... <laughs> Men. ...what you've got? Mm. Are you not aware how... No, he didn't. No, he didn't. That's why that whole album. the good hair came through. <laughs> we have a whole album describing yeah. the fact that he did not know that. Nope, <laughs> yeah. sure didn't. That's the proof. Clearly yeah. hasn't learned, but here we are. But this yeah. is the thing, That's uh, that was after... Yeah. Or was that actually, was that around it was the after. time? No, that would have been after Lemonade. was after Lemonade, yeah. yeah. It's yeah. like, but you made this mistake once. Yeah. This isn't about to happen again. Yeah. But it man. just it just like really fucked me. Yeah, yeah. Well, she would have she knew the impact that it would have had putting that scene in the documentary. T. Um the like I I feel like I have to mention one other thing about Lemonade is a whole other topic. We can't get into it now, but um some she did one thing during the Lemonade era which had a profound impact on me as a fan in terms of the undying respect that I have for her. She performed Daddy Lessons at the American Country Music Awards with the Chicks, Mm -hmm. um, which has so many layers as a performance. Um, Number one layer, just a phenomenal performance. Incredible music, incredible band. Like, I've listened to that so many times. I've watched it so many times. But... um, the world's biggest mainstream black artist taking up space 
on the the music awards for historically a deeply white genre of music with the female band who are perhaps the most successful country band ever just performing this harmonious blend of music of their two songs and everyone whether they were at the performance or watching it online were truly gagged and like even if you want to peel the layers back even further like people were talking about the the links between country music and historically it's it's from all over the world but even the links it has to like west african music and um, music from the South, and she was there putting it on this pedestal saying, I'm here in like your culture, in your space, showing you that I can do it just as good as you guys, if not better. And that was, it will forever be like a spine-tingling performance to me. That, that is just quintessential Beyonce. I'm going to re-watch that performance after Thank this because <laughs> it was so good. Yes. So good. Um, I think our time is up. Our time is up. Shayna, you're a daikon. <laughs> <laughs> You're our daikon. You're my daikon yeah. of 2021. Thank yeah. you so much for joining us. As, a, as we said at the beginning of this, Beyonce is just such a monolithic, overwhelming thing to discuss. And um, we knew that we wanted to discuss her, but we knew that we had to do it with someone that was deep in the center of the center of the universe that, Beyonce is and it's just I can't tell you how much we appreciate your time and the fact that you joined us for this discussion it's just been such uh, a treat to have you on so thank you no thank you you gave me express permission to sit and just be all in my beehiveness Mm -hmm. and I could not be more grateful for it and I'm so glad that it was the culmination of all of these years that you didn't talk about it and Mm -hmm. now here we are I'm so I'm so honored. I feel like a weight has been lifted. Yeah. Um, the Beyonce anxiety has, the B anxiety has <laughs> dissipated. We're workshopping, We're working that. On We're workshopping that. that. Now, Shana, why should our <laughs> listeners head over to where they get their podcasts and subscribe or follow Bad Queers? What's coming up? What have you been talking about lately? Oh, we have so many good things coming up. We have some amazing guests that are coming on to Us. the episodes. Just, to, I mean, <laughs> I'm ready. <laughs> I'm ready. We will talk after this. <laughs> and uh, the guests that we have coming on are just dropping gems after gems after mm-hmm. gems. We just had uh, Max, who is a trans activist and content creator, on. Mm-hmm. We just had Shelly Nicole, who's this amazing writer for Autostraddle, Bitch Media. If you haven't read her stuff, it's incredible. Yep. We have Polyfam that's coming on in the next few weeks, and we stay up to date with current trends that you should be hearing in the news, but you don't get to. We give advice, we teach you lessons, and most importantly, you should come just to hear our bad queer opinions and feel seen in your bad queerness too. So come and check us out wherever you listen to podcasts and follow us everywhere on social media at Bad Queers Pod. There you go. We love it. Couldn't have said it better myself. Literally couldn't because it's not my podcast. <laughs> um, but what we can say now is you should um, like and subscribe to Bad Queers. But also, if you're not already doing it, like and subscribe to Oral Fixation as well at the same time. You can check us out on Instagram at Oral Fixation Podcast. podcast. <laughs> you can check us out on Twitter at Oral Fix Pod, which is queer. Which is queer. Yeah. Um, you can check us out on your Facebooks. You can check me out if you're so inclined uh, at With All Due Respect. You can check out Andy at Andrew, do you think you are? You can check out Shayna at... Uh, Shayna has a Twitter. 
Shannon's or Shana has a gram. Shana's gram. Easy to find me. You'll easy, find easy. Yep. easy. Um, we'll make a playlist every episode, Shana. We make a playlist for um, uh, our listeners, so we're going to need your help on this. You can check out our Got playlist. You. The link is in the description of the episode. Shana, once again, thank you so much. And thank I'm you both. just going to go and listen to I yes. Was Here and, and just, cry and cry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Bye. Thank you. <laughs>